Would you go to 1 Corinthians, please? 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. We begin a few uh, weeks ago a new series that we're calling Faith in the Power. And um, I'm stirred up about it. I'm excited about it. How many believe in the power of God? How many believe in real results? Results. Results you can see and hear and feel and experience. Well, in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, beginning in about verse 17, he said, Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but to us which are saved, it is the power of God. Everybody say, it is, it is. The, power the power of God. Of God. The power of God. He went on in verse 22 to say Jews require a sign. Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, to the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. Say that out loud. Christ, Christ is the power of God. Christ is the wisdom of God. He's both. Isn't he? He's both. Now skip down to the second chapter of uh, 1 Corinthians and the first verse. He said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save or except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now he just got through saying that Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Verse 3, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Now why would that be the case? He's, he's not relying on himself. He's acknowledging that in himself he can't do it. And, you know, before you see God manifesting and doing it, you, you feel inadequate. You feel, I can't make this happen. And so you don't act like you are the Savior or the healer or the deliverer. But you are fully expecting the power of God to show up and save and deliver and heal and restore and protect and provide, which is what he's talking about. He said, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, this reveals what he said, the spirit of God's talking through Paul, but what he said he was relying on to accomplish the work. 
He was not relying on how smart he was, how much knowledge and understanding and wisdom he had. He wasn't relying on how well he could speak or communicate, how, how good of a preacher he was, how good of a Bible teacher he was, those kind of things. He said, I'm, I wasn't relying on that. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Hallelujah. Do you see this phrase, faith in the power of God? Do you have faith in the power of God? Now that means a number of things. I mean, I know around here, you're going to answer yes. If not, I'm going to come over and stand beside you and go, hey, what have we been preaching about? For? <laughs> How many have faith in the power of God? Yeah, that's good. Everybody's hands went up. That's good. But now that means more than you might initially think. And how many know there's always more to understand about the power of God? Whew, it's a big subject. But that means you believe in the existence of the power of God. You believe the power of God exists. You believe it's real. But there's a lot more that goes with that. You believe the power of God to get results, let me say it like that. You also have to believe that the power of God flows to faith. That the power of God flows to faith. Come on, say it out loud. The power of God flows to faith. And that's where I get into uh, faith school, because this is where I was this past week. So go over to Mark, the fifth chapter, and I'll get into some of what we've been talking about in faith school. Mark 5 and 25 is the account in the ministry of Jesus of the healing of the woman that had, King James says, the issue of blood. She had a hemorrhage that lasted for 12 years. And uh, how many understand that these accounts that we read about in the scripture, these are not, these accounts like this, they're not parables. They're not similitudes. They're not just typical graphical examples of spiritual truths. This woman lived. She has a name. Is that right? Yes. And she had this problem. And she encountered Jesus. And in a moment of time, her problem was fixed. Oh, come on, come on, come on. In a moment, she no longer had the problem because the power of God flowed into her and fixed it. Fixed what couldn't be fixed for 12 years. Fixed what no man could fix. Do we believe this? Do we? This is not a fairy tale. This is not fiction. This is history. It's absolutely accurate and correct, but it's more than that. These accounts are hand-picked by the Holy Spirit. 
and recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because they are relevant to every person in every generation. So in Mark 5, 25, uh, let's, let's remind ourselves of what happened. A certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered but rather grew worse. This is also recorded in Matthew 9. It's also recorded in Luke 8. And Luke is a physician. And Dr. Luke said in his account that she couldn't be healed of any doctor. He adds that. So we know that this woman cannot be helped by the current medical science of her day, by anybody. There was nowhere she could have gone. There was no treatment. There was no medicine. There was no procedure that could help her. And that's not knocking doctors. We thank God for good doctors. But no man is God. You never want to take any man or woman or any group or institution and make that your source. Not your financial source, not the source of your health and life, not the source of your peace and joy. Thank God for men and women that God anoints and uses in natural helps. And he does use people, but God is your source. God is your healer. God is your provider, your protector. And if he really is, and you've got that settled inside, then when man looks at you and says, I'm sorry, we can't help you, you don't fall apart. Because it is not the end. What's impossible with men is possible with God. All things are possible with God. Nothing's too hard for the Lord. And all things are possible to him or her that believes. Believes what? Believes what? Well, one thing is you believe in the power of God. Come on, somebody say, I have faith. In the power of God. I believe. In the power. The real power. Of God. Now that word power. You have to look in the King James Bible. Because it's kind of. Not kind of. It's mixed up. The words for power and authority. Are translated in a mixed up fashion in the King James. Sometimes the word that's translated power means what you think of as power. Sometimes it means authority. You have to look at the, the original word to see. But in this passage we're about to see the word, it's actually translated virtue. And uh, that's King James. But it's the word for power from the Greek word dunamis. We get our English word dynamo and dynamite from it, and it describes force. And it actually is also translated mighty power, mighty works. And if you put all the definitions together, it is power, it is force, it is might, and it is power that makes possible. 
It's the power of God, so it's creative power. How many believe the power of God could not only fix your heart, it can create a new heart? Is it true or not? Well, he created the heavens and the earth. He created man to begin with. Why couldn't he create a part? Certainly he can, and he does. He has, and he does, and he will. By his power, his creative, healing, restorative power. His power is force. His power is might. And it is power that makes possible. Now keep reading here. It says, when this woman heard about Jesus, remember she's, she's been hemorrhaging, uh, can't stop it for 12 years. She's tried all kind of things. She spent all her money trying to get better. And nobody could help her. But when she heard about Jesus, this is where the miracle began right here. When she heard about Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. How many believe every word here is significant? These words are handpicked by the Holy Spirit. It wants us to know that she touched. Wants us to know that she came up behind Jesus. Now, it's interesting, if you look at the rest of this, you remember in just a moment it says that uh, she touched and then she went back into the crowd and this woman was trying to sneak a healing. <laughs> yes, she was. She, exactly she was. She was going to slip in there and touch and get it and get out. Jesus in this situation is not teaching and preaching. He's not having a healing meeting. He's not having a healing line. He and his disciples and a big pressed crowd. One translation said it was a suffocating crowd. They were pressing him from every side, pushing, shoving. They were on their way to Jairus' house. Because he had asked him to come and minister to his daughter that was at the point of death. And so he's not ministering to the sick. He's not teaching and preaching. And she came in from behind. Everybody say from behind. She didn't say, how you doing? She didn't say, would it be all right? She didn't say, is it God's will? She didn't say, is it the right time? Huh? She didn't ask anybody for anything. She just came. <laughs> you got it. She came behind and touched his garment. Verse 28. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Oh, somebody see that last phrase. I shall. I shall. I shall. I, I might? No. I, I'm going to give it a shot? No. We'll see what happens? No. No. I shall. You, you'll see the woman's faith came when she heard about Jesus. That's where her faith came. When it came and how it came. But we see her faith released through two, two main things. One, 
Well, actually, three things. I didn't say it right. One, she said it. If I touch, I shall be whole. Come on, can you hear that? I, I shall be. And then secondly, in her weakened condition, she pushed through that crowd. Is that an act of faith? You don't do that when you don't feel good and you're sick unless you are convinced. Something's going to happen when you get there. So she said it. Somebody say she said it. What would she say? Come on, help me out. When I touch, when I touch, I shall be whole. And then she did it. She pushed through and pushed through. And then finally, thirdly, she touched. This is how she released her faith was in the saying and the pressing and the touching. Through word and action, she released her faith. And so she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Verse 29. And she did. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. How many believe this happened? Did this, come on, how many believe it happened? Is the Lord the same yesterday, today, and forever? He has not changed. Is he no respecter of persons? If you do the kind of things she did, will you get the kind of results that she got? Today. Yes. Yes. Straightway, immediately, the flow where the blood was coming from stopped. And it was healed. And it was restored. And then she felt in her body. Did you notice feeling was the last thing that happened? Too many times people pray and then they check for a feeling. Big mistake. People get hands laid on them and then they check for a feeling. Well, do you feel any better? That's, that's so wrong. She didn't come to receive a feeling. She came to take a healing. She wasn't looking for a feeling. She came to get a healing. And after, or somebody say after, after, after she received the healing, then she had a feeling. Don't don't come looking for feelings. Don't pray and then look for feelings. Because you'll get out of faith. I guess it didn't happen. I guess it didn't work. No, that's not how it works. Verse 30, And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue, now again, that's King James, that is, the Greek word there is that word dunamis. Mighty power. Power that makes possible. Force had gone out of him. He turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And this alarmed the woman because she was halfway back out of the crowd. Well on her way, you know, grinning like the cat that got the canary. Because it worked. It, it worked. It worked. Who touched my clothes? 
She thought, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. He stopped. Mm-hmm. And he's not moving. And if you put the accounts together, this took a few minutes. He said, who touched me? Who touched my clothes? And the disciples, verse 32, they said, Lord, people are touching you on every side. What do you mean somebody touched you? Verse 32, if you look at Matthew and and Luke's account, Jesus said, no, somebody touched me. Notice he didn't say, oh, well, okay, let's keep going. No, the flow of anointing was tangible to him. He knew it when the power moved. He could sense it coming out of him. Hallelujah. She perceived it coming into her. And it fixed her. Can the power of God fix anything? It can create new body parts. If that's what's required. And so we need to, to get the pressure off of us. We can't heal ourselves. It's not our job to heal ourselves. The power of God can do anything. He looked round about to see her that had done this thing. Let me just stop right here though. Did Jesus need to ask that question? Who touched me? I'm going to ask these guys over here. Did Jesus need to ask the question? Who touched me? Yes, he did. I said, yes, he did. I know I set you up a little bit, but somebody says, well, why? Well, Jesus knew everything. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. If he did, then he didn't really become like other men. And the Bible said he did. And if he knew everything about everything and he was operating in omniscience as God and operating in omnipotence as God, then he could never be tempted in all points like us. He, he wouldn't know what it's like to not know something. This is important. This is so important. If you're going to be stuck and say, oh, no, now, Brother Keith, that's Jesus. And he could do that. Jesus didn't say he did it. Come on, keep reading. The woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. She told him. This took a little while. She told him publicly in front of everybody about how she had been sick for 12 years, about how she had gone through all these procedures and spent all her money. And then she heard about these great healing meetings that Jesus was having. And she said, well, I'm just going to go get me a healing too. And so she said, and I said, if I can just go touch his clothes, I'll be healed. And so I pushed through there and I touched you and whoo, I got it and I'm healed. And verse 35,34 rather Jesus said daughter you're lucky you are one lucky girl no uh uh-uh he never said anything like that he said daughter it it was God's will it just it happened to be God's will and God's timing 
Notice what he didn't, he didn't even say, daughter, it was the anointing on me. It was the anointing that did the work, but why didn't he say that? Did Jesus need to ask the question? If he didn't, why did he ask it? What was going on? We know he wasn't playing games with anybody. So why did he ask the question? Because he didn't initiate her healing. She did. He didn't minister healing to her. She came and took it. Did she or not? If it was just that he was doing something to prove that he's the son of God, remember, people are touching him on every side. Was the anointing there or not? But why didn't all them get healed? People were, no, no telling how many, we're told the, the crowd was a mass. It was like suffocating. It was pressing and pushing. And t- That's why the disciples said, Lord, what do you mean somebody touched you? No telling how many people have touched you and brushed up against you the last hundred feet. A casual touch didn't cause the power to flow. A curious touch didn't cause the power to flow. An accidental touch didn't cause the power to flow. But, but, the touch of faith, (laughs) that anointing was there all the time. It was there. But somebody did something that allowed it to flow and move. I know my father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin, who's in heaven now, he, he, he ministered a whole lot in the area of healing. And uh, he would say this many times. He would say, electricity is God's power in the natural. Electricity. And you see with electricity, it's been here from the beginning. But only in relatively recent times have uh, men and women begun to understand how it works and do something to allow it to flow. We got lights in here because we've learned how to contact it and conduct it and allow it to flow. Come on, can you see this? Electricity is God's power in the natural. In fact, I won't try to get into it. I won't claim I understand more than I do about it. But it all comes down to the atom. Atoms have charges. And if you'll do a certain thing, it will allow a path for the electrons to flow. If you don't, they won't move. Have you ever drug your foot across the carpet? especially when it was dry and reach up to touch a metal door handle or something and got a pop. What was that? That was power. Power that was already there. 
That power wasn't created when you did that. It was there the day before. It was there the night. Come on, can you see this? It was already there. Ben Franklin didn't create electricity. But he was one of the key ones. That's why he's in the history books. He went out, thunderstorm time, and put a kite up in the sky, and the string was wet, and it had a metal key on it. He didn't get struck by lightning, or we probably wouldn't even be talking about him. But he could touch the key and, and, or touch it to other things and it would spark. And so he proved, he believed that electricity was like a stream and that if you'd provided a conduit or a path, it would flow. Come on, can you see this? It would flow. And, you know, if, if we wanted electricity to power our lights, but we hadn't come in and turned the switches on. And we came in here and we said, oh, I wish the lights would be on, but they're not on. And so I know what we need. We need to get the power company to send the power. Well, what's the power company out here? Uh, FPNL. And we said, FPNL, send the power just now. Oh, FPNL. Send the power just now. <laughs> and we could fast <laughs> and we could pray that FPNL would send the power. And that is all in vain because the power is there. The power is in the wiring, the power is to the receptacles, the power is to the switch. But the power can be there and you have no light. You have no, nothing functioning or powering or charging. Why? Because there has to be contact and a circuit provided. And that's what happens when you flip the switch. When you flip the switch, there's contact that completes a circuit. And then the electricity can run from the wiring and the power source that's connected to the wiring, that's connected to the wiring, that's connected to the station, that's connected to the generator or whatever it is, and it'll flow up to the light and through the light and come back. And a continuous flow means we got continuous lights. We don't have to beg God to send the power. He doesn't go anywhere without his power. Is the Spirit of God here? Yes. Then the power's with Him. Yes. Is He in you? Yes. Then the power's there. Yes. Oh, oh. But that power can be there while we live and struggle and die, and we'll get no benefits out of it unless and until we learn how to turn the switch of faith on. Come on, can you see that? Was the anointing on Jesus as he's walking to Jairus' house with all these people touching him and bump? Is the power there or not? Come on, help me out. Is it there? You know when he was baptized in the River Jordan, the Spirit of God came on him in the power and shape form as a dove. And the Bible said he had the Spirit on him without, had the Spirit without measure. So, I mean, you talk about anointed, Jesus is anointed. And yet you could have touched him, you could have hugged him, you could have rubbed his head, 
and got nothing. Had, had no flow to you. Now you'll find that in electricity, you've got conductors and insulators. <laughs> you've, got, you've got conductors that will conduct the electric flow and will allow those atoms to release their electrons, and when they do, they'll flow in a stream. And that's when you get work accomplished. That's when you get manifestations. Lightning is exactly the same principle. The reason there's lightning is the same reason that you, when you drug your foot across the, uh, the carpet and touched the uh, metal handle, the door handle. It's exactly the same thing. Air columns are shooting up. There's updrafts and downdrafts in a thunderstorm. And they're going up for tens of thousands of feet and they are creating friction. Can you see that? Ice crystals in these columns of air are, you know, having friction against each other. And when you, you talk about, you drug your foot a couple of feet. Well, this thing has as friction from the ground up to 50,000 feet. And man, when that releases, it's a bunch of power. It's, a, it's, it's hundreds of thousands of volts are released can explode things, can incinerate things, can do all kinds of things. That power is there right now in the sky. There's just nothing going on to release it. And something has to conduct it. Now, we've learned about with electricity, the best conductors are precious metals like silver and copper and gold. Gold is interesting, especially. I think if gold was more pure and more affordable, it'd be one of the tops that everybody want to use. It's still used in some of the high-end applications, but those are the highest uh, conductive metals. What that means is the electricity will flow into them and it'll flow through them. They have the least resistance to the... Oh, come on, is anybody with me on this? They have the least resistance to the power. Now, there are other things that are insulators. What I mean by that is they have the highest resistance, a block of wood. The power would just flow to it, but it won't flow through it. A big block of rubber is an insulator. And it's not a conductive receptive. When all those people were touching Jesus, was the power there? Was the power there? You remember on another occasion it said Jesus was in the house teaching and preaching and all the Pharisees and a bunch of people were there and the power of the Lord was present to heal, present to heal them. And yet nobody's getting healed. Until one guy came from the outside, is that right? And they tore off the hole in the roof and they let him down and it said Jesus saw their faith. And when he called for him to stand up, can you see their act of getting to the house shows faith. Their act of getting up on the rooftop and tearing a hole, that shows faith. And then when Jesus said, well get up from there and take your bed and go home, when he made the effort to do it, he flipped the switch on. He flipped the switch on. 
And that power that had been there for the whole service with no manifestation flowed into his body and he got up and stood up and grabbed that mat and hightailed it out of there. Shouting all the way home. Are these things real? But religion will endeavor to uh, confuse you and, and the enemy doesn't want you to know and understand these things. He, he wants to, uh, to obscure it. He wants to convolute it. He wants to make it too complicated. All those people that were casually in curiosity in accidentally touching Jesus, why wasn't the power flowing into them? You know a bunch of them needed healing. You know a bunch of them needed something. Why wasn't it happening? Did God not love them? Certainly he loves them. But it's not up to him. The giving part is up to him, and he's done it. The receiving part is not up to him. I said the receiving part is not up to God. Not up to him. So why, when they're touching, why no flow? Why? Because their lack of faith is insulating them from the power. Can you see that? Their lack of faith is insulating them from the power. You, you know, they could be hugging the power source and it's not going to flow because the switch is off. But why did it flow to this woman? Because she said, if I can just touch... I shall, not I might be, not we'll see, we'll try. I shall be whole. Then she pushed through there, even in her weakened condition. She thought, I can do it. I can do it. Come on, excuse me. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Ah, okay. Ah, how far is it? Whoo, he's still a ways off. Okay. She wouldn't quit. She didn't give up until she got to him. And she kept, the, the, if you read, put the accounts together, it said she kept saying, she kept saying, even within herself, she kept saying, if I can just touch, if I can just touch, I shall be whole, I shall be whole. And she touched, and Jesus stopped in his tracks. He said, who touched me? And everybody looked at him like he was crazy. And the Bible said they all denied. Everybody backed up and go, oh, no. Wasn't wasn't me. And apparently she didn't step forward immediately. She kind of held back in the back too. Maybe even looked at her and she went, hmm. But he wouldn't move. He said, no, somebody touched me. Because I knew power went out of me. I could tell it when it left me. So somebody touched. Did did he not know who touched him? Apparently not. Did he not initiate this? Apparently not. Oh friend, do we believe the word or not? She initiated this healing. And when she finally said, well he's not going to leave. I guess he'll stand here the rest of the afternoon. He keeps saying, who touched me? Come on now. I know somebody touched me. Who touched me? 
who touched me? Finally, she said, it was me. He said, well, come here. What, what happened? And he wasn't mad at her. He wasn't upset with her. He didn't say, now, you know, you should have asked me. For you just came in touch. What if it wasn't the will of God? What if it wasn't the will of God? You can't receive something God hasn't already given. You can't. A man can receive nothing unless it's been given him from heaven. John 3.27 says. You can't. So. It's not us trying to talk God into something. It's not us trying to take something he didn't want us to have. We couldn't receive it if it hadn't already been given. But God, how many understand God does not need to prime gravity every morning? He doesn't need to restart his power. His power is emanating from the throne and all things are upheld by the word of his power The power is here. The power is here. The power is here. The gospel is the power of God. The the word is power. There's power in faith. There's power on anointings. There's power on calls. The power is here. What there's a lack of is flipping the switch. Flipping the switch. It's easier than the enemy tries to make people to believe. This woman, we have no no reason to believe. She has a degree in theology. I don't know if the woman could read and write. Most people in her day couldn't read and write. How much did she know about all this? All she knew was people were getting healed down there at that meeting. She heard about some people. She had seen some people maybe. Afterwards, that had gotten healed, and she knows there's anointing on this minister. There's anointing in these meetings. There's anointing, and she just kept, you know, how long did she think about this the night before, before she did this? I don't know, but she came to the conclusion, I got to get there. I got to get there, and if I can just touch, I shall be whole, and with that confident full persuasion, confident, full expectation when she touched. There was no resistance. Faith is like gold. It's a high conductor of the anointing of God. In fact, Peter talks about it. He said, your faith is more precious than God. You remember that? Why why would he say that? Why would he say that? Because it is the highest conductor of the power of God. The anointing of God flows to faith and it flows through faith. Can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise. Somebody say praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You see this same principle with magnetism. And really, Another word for magnetism is electromagnetism because it's electricity involved. In fact, you can create a magnet with electricity. And magnets have electricity flowing in them. And you turn them to the opposite end, they will attract. You turn them to the same end, 
they will repel. Has anybody seen this? Why? And so they come up with the saying, opposites attract. And that's true with magnets. And when I thought, well, if opposites attract, then uh, I was scratching my head at first going, well, Lord, we don't want to be opposite from you. We want to be the same. But then I saw it. You can't be giving out. You got to be receiving. The Lord is the provider. He's the healer. He's the giver. You don't need to be trying to give. You need to be. Oh, come on. Can you see this? If there is a receiving to his giving, it'll be like two big strong magnets. Boom, just like that. Is that what happened to the woman? She came to, did, did it connect? Did the power come straight out of him and come to her? And Jesus didn't initiate it. Came straight out of him and into her. Hallelujah. That's why, you know, in healing lines and things like that, I encourage people, don't pray, don't be giving out, don't be trying to say a bunch of things. You don't need to be in giving out mode, you need to be in receiving mode. Hallelujah. If you're here this morning, and you've had physical problems in your body, and you believe in the power of God, and you believe that anointing would minister to you today, and you believe you're ready to receive that anointing, Stand up on your feet. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.